just one of my favorites. I just love that. And, that that yeah. that's quite a theme song. And that's a Gordon Briggs, who's a teacher, film fanatic, cosplayer. Am I leaving anything out? I'm also a Scorpio. Oh, a Scorpio too. Yeah. Oh, now we're gonna to have to see uh, Float On. Gordon Scorpio, Steve Virgo. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, what most people don't realize is that uh, that one that they just see the big page back, which was uh, Black Caesar, yeah. was based on uh, Frank White himself. And he w- walked around Harlem bragging about how that movie was all about him. He didn't get dang if he got killed at the end of it. He's just like, yeah, they made that movie about me. Uh, I can believe that, yeah. Yeah. And you did a great cosplay last week, and that's one of the reasons I picked you, I asked you to be on the show. I mean, you did an amazing version of Robot Man from Doom Patrol. Yeah, I think that Doom Patrol is one of the uh, better superhero shows on TV. It's really strange and wild and crazy. It's the only show, I, I tell people, it's like if, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, The Dream Warriors, were a TV show. <laughs> and, and instead of fighting uh, uh, a supervillain every week, they kind of have to go inside their own minds and fight themselves. It's, it's, it's an interesting show. And I thought that Robot Man, uh, once you get the head and the arms down, everything else you, know, you can make from what you have in your house. So... The jacket I have made from what I had in my house, the arms were foam, and I just, you know, uh, adapted a mask to look like a robot man. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's cool. And it looks great. You even got the brass look down perfect. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can do all kinds of things. You can just, uh, uh, usually I use googly eyes and paint the googly eyes silver or gold, and you can use yeah. those as bolts and things like that. So, yeah. I appreciate anyone who does a cosplay. It's 90%. Look at me. I'm beautiful. Uh, yeah, every everyone does different kind of cosplay. There are people who, you yeah. know, uh, want to show off their face, and there are people like me who wouldn't mind hiding their face and show you something more interesting. <laughs> And he did like a series of, uh, well, last week he did a series of black exploitation films for Black History Month. And this month, this week, he did uh, some uh, teacher teaching films. Uh, Yeah, every, every week I try and uh, uh, put together a series of films just based on what I'm watching. And uh, I found that, because uh, I used to not really do series that much, but I found that if you put it in that format, I guess uh respond to it more. So, uh, yeah. so usually it's something I just, whatever I feel like watching that week. Like I need to watch some black exploitation, I need to watch some horror, you know. 
and uh, log what I see. I found it weird. I've had a couple of friends of mine who are black, uh, close to my age, about 50, who said that I was lucky because I got to watch the black exploitation films when I was a kid because their parents thought that they was a shameful representation of the black community. Yeah, that was always a debate happening um, at the time. Uh, if I'm being completely honest, I understand where that comes from because a lot of times in black exploitation movies you would see, uh, like The Mac is a movie about a pimp, <laughs> and sometimes uh, you would see uh, criminals in the forefront. You would see that in Black Caesar. But uh, yeah. my response to that is usually, my response to that is usually, A, this is exploitation, this is pulp. And in pulp movies, usually no one comes across well, white, black, or in between. So if you're making a movie that's pulpy and about pulp, usually pulp is about, you know, uh, the the grungier side of life, I guess you can call it. Second yeah. of all, these are movies that um, more often than not showcase black filmmakers, black writers, black musicians, black photographers, black actors. Everyone got to work. Um, they got exposure. Um, people made money. Careers were made. Um, it didn't sustain itself as long as people think. Uh, black exploitation movies, you can basically uh, pinpoint their start with Sweet Sweetback and Cotton Comes to Harlem and Shaft. And they kind of petered out by about 75, 76. Yeah. about about six years. Well, I have the story uh, the guy who played uh, Pretty Tony in uh, the Mac, he said, yeah. I forget, what was his name? The guy who played the lead oh, in, uh, uh, no, in uh, Cooley High. Yeah, Cooley High was like Glenn Turman, but uh, uh, yeah, let think, Turman, oh, but he went to uh, the head of AP and said, Okay, what are we going to do the next film? They're like, oh, we made the black films. We've made our money. We don't need to make any more because we've got money now. Yeah. Um, they were low-budget movies that made a profit for Hollywood. But um, once the uh, market started to change, they really went away and uh, – the Hollywood uh, really is hard turning away from that type of movie. And uh, so you can argue that Hollywood used this black exploitation movement to uh, make a profit. But then when movies like Jaws and Star Wars came out, uh, things hard to change. But, uh, yeah, yeah, but still, yeah. I, I, that was just a cold thing to say. And uh, <laughs> you, yeah. they were starting yeah. to get some interesting ones that weren't black exploitation out like uh uh cornbread earl and me uh five on the black yeah. hand side which still shocks me most fans of uh so-called fans of black exploitation films of the 70s don't even know what the hell i'm talking about when i mention five on the black hand side oh i have not seen five on the black hand side i have not seen that it's, sort of, it's like a cross between – it's like the 70s version of uh, Barbershop. Oh, okay. 
Okay. Look, there are God, Fisty. Uh, I looked up a list. I went on Wikipedia and I looked up a list of black exploitation films. There are so many. There are so, and there are even films that a couple of them I even hesitate. Like, do I call? Is this really black exploitation? Sometimes the 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 the, the label, the the name of it, got so vague that at one point people were calling the Wiz black exploitation. I'm like, the Wiz was the most expensive movie ever made at its time. There was nothing exploit. There's nothing low budget or exploitation yeah, about it. Yeah, that was just a black so, version of the Wizard of Oz, the Wiz. That was made by yeah, yeah. Uh, Motown Films, and all three of the films that they Motown made were films. good. Yeah, yeah, but you could uh, see that when the Wiz came out in 19, I want to say 78 or 79, when it came out in the late 70s, it actually did not do that well financially. It's since become a beloved cult film, but uh, yeah, some people point to a movie like that not doing well, and Hollywood saying, "Okay, we're done with this." Um, but it all depends on how you look at it. If I was gonna pick my favorite of the Motown films, it probably would be uh, Bingo Long's Traveling All Stars. Oh well, what's that movie about? It's. Uh, about the black, the black league. You know the black professional baseball league. Oh, okay. Yeah. The Negro yeah. league. Yeah. It has like mm-hmm. it tells like a satchel page in them, and it's like set right before the white national league started taking in the black players. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah, it's got Billy D. Williams uh, in it. Uh, James Earl Jones. Uh, Richard Pryor oh. playing a Puerto Rican who's trying to be anything but black so he can get to play <laughs> in the major leagues. Oh, that is, oh, And it's wow. the first movie of, uh, what's his name from Don, Ken Forey. It's Ken Forey's first move, movie. Mm-hmm. What's that title again? Uh, Bingo Long's Traveling All-Stars. Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars, yeah. Like I said, it's not a black exploitation film. It, like, it's like it's a based on the Negro League. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Oh, oh, I have not heard of that one. Bingo and uh, uh, James Earl Jones's and uh, Billy D. Williams' suits for the movie, baseball uniforms, are in the Baseball Hall of Fame. <laughs> oh. Traveling. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I Wait, can pick here, my favorite. Here. Listen to this. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cult Side Radio's Late Night Wait. Movie. Enjoy as your two glorious hosts, Carl Caper and Stephen M. Ronquillo, bring you the best in cinematic quality and rarity and lost gems that you should see more. So, let's get this show started. And tonight's feature is... Wait... 
play ball in the major leagues, you had to be white. To play in the Negro League, you had to be great. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Bingo Long and the greatest congregation of athletic talent ever assembled in one place at one time for one purpose. Play ball! They say you're a pretty fair hitter. So they say it. <laughs> but here's this. Billy D. Williams is Bingo Long. James Earl Jones is Leon Carter. Ball players got to overthrow the owners and run the teams they own sale. You think we can do that? Do what? Overthrow the owners. Sure. Same day we turned white. Richard Pryor is Charlie Snow. From now on, I'm going to be known as Carlos Navarro. <laughs> I'm going to break into the mergers as a Cuban. He can hit, he can run, he can score. Well, it's not a senora. Can I buy you a drink? The Bingo Log, traveling all-stars and motor kings. What you going to do about this mess, Sally Potter? It's your picture what's leading this bad detergent. You're all-stars against mine. One big game down in St. Louis. Barnstorming in the 1930s. It was Derek. Just drive me off at the baseball park. It was demoralizing. Come on, this wonderful lady. It was downright dangerous. You gentlemen checking out? <laughs> Who would have thought it could be so much fun? And, uh, yes, they were based on uh, real players. Uh, they have, uh, Billy D is supposed to be Satchel Page. This looks like a fun movie. I have not seen oh, it. Oh, yeah, it is. And if you like baseball, it's one of the best baseball films, too. Oh, well... Maybe if I do a baseball week. I've been meaning to do a Richard Pryor week for a while now. Uh, <laughs> the problem is uh, you got the MGM titles. When they cut out, they put out the easy-to-sell ones, like uh, Fred the Hammer Williamson, uh, Pam Greer. Uh, the yeah. guy, the, like you said, the hood films, the pimp films. Mm-hmm. And anything that wasn't that... They just don't want to bother with. Oh, that's that's yeah, that's that's something to consider. Uh, some of the most famous ones are those ones with those big stars in them, Fred Williams and uh, Pam Greer, but and Richard Roundtree. But uh, yeah. trying to get those ones that didn't have that. Uh, well, you got oh. one of the best, which impressed the hell out of me, and that was uh, uh, the one Iceberg Slim did, Trick Baby. Oh, oh yeah, Trick Baby is a good film. I mean, that's one, that's one that I didn't really hear about until recently, until I actually started, you know, reading about Iceberg Slim. But uh, yeah, he had uh, apparently a novel, which I have not read. Uh, he had a novel called Trick Baby about this uh, idea of a, a black He did guy, uh, Trick Baby about uh, – they just call it white folks in the movie, but what they really don't talk about in the movie 
is that they call him white folks because he's a black man. His skin black, can, pass, can pass for white. Yeah, he can pass for white, so they call him white folks. Mm-hmm. And he did a <laughs> sequel with uh, white folks. And he also did his most infamous book, which they've tried to get adapted. And they can't get it done, and that's uh, Pimp, the Story of a Hustler, his autobiography. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when they made the Mac, I heard that the Mac was based on a true story and that the guy who wrote the Mac wrote the story on toilet paper in a jail cell (laughs) and that he wrote the story on toilet paper in a jail cell. And when he got out, he wrote the story down and it became the Mac. I don't know if that's true or not. It's a story of no, but Frank White was in it. But like I said, uh, the player's ball was created because of the Mac, and the Mac didn't create the player's ball. Just like oh, all the okay. and hustlers so, watch the Mac, and they're like, wow, look at that. The player's ball where pimps get awards and stuff. Let's do that. That sounds cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so... I don't know. If you're telling me that there was no one getting together and doing a a pimp celebration before the Mac, I yeah. mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure somewhere someone was doing it. But actual players ball, yeah, probably they saw the Mac and like, oh, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, and there's a documentary on Iceberg Slim that if people haven't watched it, it's great. It's just called Pimp, right? Yeah, Pimp, the story Iceberg Slim. And that's one of my my favorite line for it. He's like, this white reporter's like, well, what if someone come up to you today, Slim, and said they want to be a hustler like you? What would you do? He's like, I'd smack the taste out of their mouth and tell them, ask them what in the hell does he think he's doing? Uh, yeah. Sounds like <laughs> Yeah, very. He's very. If you look at uh, well, if you check out a uh, trick, baby, and that uh, he's very anti the game. Oh. Yeah, one of those where he's seen the game just bite everyone he knew's right in the butt. You know. Yeah, I remember watching a documentary called uh, "Pimps Up, Hose Down" about uh, oh, that, that was there. Kind of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> and don't forget "American Pimp," the one that uh, Hughes Brothers did in the nineties. Oh yeah, I saw that a while ago. Yeah, "American Pimp." Yeah, yeah. They talked about remaking uh, the Mac a little bit. One of the things that uh, hopped out at me watching it again was just the fashion. <laughs> just, uh, oh yeah, those big furry cats and all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But then I was like, okay, is this movie glorifying uh, prostitution? Is this movie glorifying, you know, the life? Okay, I I don't think. Hopefully, no. I mean, if, if yeah, yeah. If you're watching the same movie I saw, you don't want to go into this life. After watching yeah. it, but, you know, 
People forget that, that he comes into the city with a miserable look on his face with a cheap ass suit. And <laughs> when the movie ends, his mom's dead, his best friend's dead, his brother says if he sees him again, he's going to kill him. And he yeah. leaves the city in the bus on a with a cheap ass suit. <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of life I want to live, folks. Have you seen uh, Sweet Sweetback? Oh God, yeah. Oh okay. Sweet Sweetback, badass oh, song, yeah. yeah. I've seen uh, <laughs> Sweet Sweetback, badass watermelon man. Uh, Story of a three-day pass and don't sell us cheap. Okay, so you see Melvin Van Peebles' entire filmography. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's strange because uh, you're looking at it now, and you're like, uh, "Oof!" I mean, this film is uh, this film is rough. <laughs> this film is violent, but uh, uh, movie doesn't compromise. Yeah, but if you notice, none of the violence is committed by the bikers or Sweetback. Only one who kills people or really hurts people with guns are the cops. Well, Sweetback does kill those two cops. He does kill himself to that. Yeah, that was self-defense because they were killing that guy. But I do love that scene with the bikers. He's like... Yeah, I'll take you. Michael's like, I'll take you on on anything you want. Watch a game. <laughs> and Sweet Magic Sam goes, uh, fucking. Fucking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a good. Yeah, if I remember correctly, he had, to, he had to tell people that he was making a porn film in order to get financing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, uh, uh, Bill Cosby uh, financed uh, Sweetback. You ought to watch that movie. It's great. Bad ass. Oh, yeah, I've seen Bad ass. Yeah, I've seen Bad yeah. ass. That's a son doing Bad ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was that's... running out of money. And uh, yeah. he went to go see Bill Cosby. He was a star from my which, spy. Uh, which leads to my favorite moment. We got Earth, Wind, and Fire in the other room talking to Melvin. Like, yeah, I got a band. We can do the whole soundtrack for you. And then Melvin says, done. I'll pay you all $100 each. And then it fades out. And then the girls talk to the guy from uh, Worthwood Empire. You ain't got no band. He don't know that. And then it fades it over to the other room. Dad, you ain't got no $100. Well, he don't know that. <laughs> Oh. That's filmmaking yeah. for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I would show that movie to uh, anyone who wants to be a director, anyone who wants to make a film. I'm like, look at Sweet Sweetback. I mean, I think that film cost $500,000. I mean, it was not that yeah. expensive. <laughs> and uh, he just, 78 minutes. Yeah, 78 minutes. And I do love that one scene where the cop car catches on fire and the actual cops show up. And instead of just creating a fake scene around it, he just let it play. 
Can you get the Melvin yeah, yeah. talking to the cops? <laughs> uh, I like how the movie is just it's it's almost like a song. It's just almost like a whistle yeah. It's called badass yeah. song, but it's almost just like a a, a riff of music, yeah. Come on, Fee. Yeah. Come on, man. Yeah, come on, Fee. Come on, Fee. Keep on moving. You can't <laughs> stop me. Don't... <laughs> and, of course, you kill my mama, you kill my papa, you won't kill me. Yeah. yeah. That was just that chance well, throughout the whole movie. After, after that came out, I want to say Huey Newton from the Black Panthers actually wrote a whole article in the newspaper about it. He was like, we have to support Sweet Sweetback. We have to. Uh, yeah, and the first Sweet night Sweetback. that uh, Sweetback's uh, open, uh, Huey bought the th- Huey bought all the tickets to the theaters and made it mandatory for the Black Panthers to watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's you couldn't buy that plus. Yeah, you couldn't buy that now. Uh, yeah. Well, that's, uh, that's the good old days when you could hear, you'll hear wild stories like that. Well, I remember reading about CT back, and there was a whole thing about that they wanted to make him kind of in opposition to Sidney Portier. And it's not taking anything away from the late Sidney Portier, but. There was always a thing with Sidney Poitier that he always wore a suit, and uh, uh, he had just done Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, and he was very desexualized. Uh, there was the idea that, yeah, Sidney Poitier was the black actor that made white people feel comfortable. So, um, yeah, when. Watch in the heat of the night. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, there's that. But there's a whole idea that Sidney Poitier was uh, almost never I know. allowed to be That's the problem. Sexual. Yeah, even by then, <laughs> Sidney Poitier was tired of being Sidney Poitier, and he would be the first one to tell you that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when they and made Sidney Poitier, go ahead. Oh, when they made Sweet Sweetback, it was a kind of, like, the only word I could describe as a hypersexualized version yeah. of black man. He was, he, was, he was super macho. He was uber macho. So, you know, I mean, that's why it was so wrong to call a black man boy. It was just sort of denying him of his manhood, denying him of masculinity. So <laughs> Melvin comes along and just says, uh, I'm going to be super macho. But then you run to the problem, is Sweet Sweetback a black stereotype? <laughs> is, no. Is, is, the movie, is the movie giving you the stereotypes? Yeah. yeah. Like uh, when he first shows up, uh, the white woman, well, the two white cops are there, but the white woman wants to get with the black man. And he's just going, no, no, yeah. no white cops here. They're killers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Your mama. Yeah. So yeah. that sort of thing. I mean, you could argue and, that Cotton comes to call was the first one. 
Cotton come to Harlem and uh, across the 50, uh, 42nd Street were pretty much black yeah. cop movies. And yeah. Mr. Hines, Coffinette, and Grave Digger Jones books, which yeah. they really adapted three of them Cotton Comes to Harlem, uh, Come Back Charleston Blue. For some reason, Warner has not released the dang thing. And in 1990, Bill Duke uh, did uh, Rage in Harlem. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember I was saying on Facebook that this would be good to do a miniseries out of, like uh, HBO or Netflix. Like, hey, take yeah. times of novels, take, take Brave Digger Jones and Ed Coffin and just make them kind of, you know, supporting characters and like a, do like a, a the why meets me. Uh, 20s or 1930s. You can update yeah. it if you want to. I think they, they can keep it in the actual time period it was set in. So, uh, yeah, that's what yeah. Uh, Bill Duke was planning, but after Richard Harlem, for some reason, they say, oh, we can't do that. Oh, damn. Yeah, damn. Because he, he had done the first. Yeah, the first. The first. Actually, the first book in the series. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, uh, this is the fact they got uh, Gordon Parson, and he did uh, Shaft. Now, to me, uh, Cotton and um, Cotton, Beatback, and Shaft are important because it's also black filmmakers making these movies. Um, this would not always be the case because there is a lot of black exploitation by white directors. Yeah. Uh, so Cotton, yeah, Cotton was Ozzy Davis. Sweetback was um, Melvin. And when Shaft came along, Shaft was Gordon Park. Yeah, Gordon uh, Park. I think Gordon Park. Was Gordon Parks Jr. Was Gordon Parks Jr. So that's a rare case of one genre of decade. To me, and, the, the most important part mm-hmm. in uh, Shaft was just one line is when Shaft's sitting in that restaurant and that uh, uh, mafia guy comes <laughs> and he said, I'm looking for that N word Shaft. And he said, You found uh-huh. it, WAP. And the whole see I heard the whole the whole theater back then went ah, tell that boy what to go, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds like sounds like uh, Richard Roundtree was great, man. Richard Roundtree was uh, uh he had a natural cool ease charisma in it. I think he was a former model. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that one. Uh, and if I'm looking at Shaft, looking at Shaft again, I'm like, oh, I get this is this is a noir. It's almost like a film noir without, you know, the, the dark lighting and things like that. I mean, yeah. just the whole idea of the private detective and the guy who walks in and gives him a case. I mean, it's unlike 
or ball stalking or something like that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's uh title is books. Yeah, yeah, it's based off of books, yeah. Um then he have but, two sequels. Yeah, uh he did uh Shaft's big score and Shaft in Africa. Yeah, those were more just straight up action films. If I remember those, <laughs> those were more just straight up, you know, boat chase, car chase, shootout stuff. But yeah, um, Captain Africa is the movie that Warner's made them make because they wanted to adapt the title book Shaft Among the Jews. Uh, I know it sounds funny, but it's great. I mean, there's this one scene where uh, uh, Shaft looks at the Jewish white guy, and he's like, yeah, you, your people understand what's it like to be held a prisoner just because of your race. And then it had the old Jewish guy hold up his Holocaust uh, tattoo, and he goes, oh, really? <laughs> Shaft among the Jews. Wow. <laughs> <Right> yeah. <laughs> that that sounds. But yeah, no, I, get I, back, I, I, uh, I like the kept... <laughs> Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, they kept the title the way to <laughs> how marketable yeah. that would have been. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think we cannot go forth with a black exploitation. I think the music by Isaac Hayes. The music, I think, in oh, black good music with James. Lord, Brown. any of those soundtracks <laughs> were just great. Uh, Ma- yeah, the, uh, yeah, any of those Curtis soundtracks. Mayfield, Superfly, uh, Three Tough Guys by Isaac oh, Hayes, goodness. Shafts by oh. Isaac Hayes, uh, Black Caesar. And uh, let's not forget, yeah. this is. This is only the second or third black exploitation film shaft, and all out the gate and wins an Academy Award for mixed music. <laughs> so, uh, Shaft, I think, is the only black exploitation film to be Academy Award recognized. Uh, no, if you really <laughs> want to say, if you really want to get in that, really want to get technical, uh, uh, it's hard out there for a pimp from Hustle and Flow won the Oscar for two. For best song. Uh, yeah, but before that, yeah, Eminem won for best song. So, um, yeah. Eminem was the first hip hop song to win the say I think "Hard Out There for a Pimp" was the first black. Rappers to get to get the Academy Award, I think. Yeah, <laughs> not sure. But um, uh, Shaft was the first black, first and only black exploitation. Yeah. Fan, I would say uh, to get Academy Award. I mean, if you hustle and flow as a black exploitation film, that would count too. But uh, yeah, yeah. And to go to the second half of the show, to go back to City uh, Portier, it's funny. He was considered, like you said, the safe black man. 
But he was in the yeah. first rock and roll film, first juvenile delinquent film. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, Blackboard yeah. Jungle. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. He, he did that, but he, he was in those films, but... Uh, I think the, he did a film called No Way Out right after that where he played a, a black doctor. So, uh, and, and it's silly. It's, it's really silly that sometimes when um, a certain black actor gets popular, they immediately start comparing them to other black actors. Like I, I saw know, people like, do that with Denzel like Washington. blacks are in a race that is white. That white <laughs> and, well, Mexicans are too. I'm Manistero on Kill Half Mexican. It's like, oh, look, it's the next James, Edward James Olmos. It's the next. Olmos, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, what? Blames it happens. You know, they, they, you, you immediately start being compared to whatever. You would. I don't know if we ever do that with white actors, but um, you uh, have Sidney Poitier, and because it looks like to me, at least at that time, he's the only, you know, prominent black, him and Harry Belafonte maybe, are the only prominent black actors out there um, who are box office, um, have box office clout. So everything they do becomes analyzed and stigmatized. Well, technically and, you um, can consider uh, Sammy Davis Jr. in that mix too. You could, you could, but he always had the rat pack around him. <laughs> yeah. Around them. Uh, uh, so it was a very, very, very few. Uh, so uh, if Sydney is doing it, extra eyes are on him. And it's a whole lot if you're if you're the first, you have to dignified and polished. And and certainly, black exploitation actors are like, no, we're going to be, you know. We're not going to be polished. We're going to be green. We're going to be messy. We're going to be uh, vulgar. We're going to get in people's faces. That's why I think um, uh, if we go on to stuff like the the mid uh, 72, 73, you get – that's why Pam Greer I thought was so important. Um, yeah. Because Pam Greer – because sometimes, sometimes, to be fair – some of that black macho that you saw in the black exploitation film came at the expense of black women. There's a lot of topless black women, a lot of, you know, mountain black women and treating and objectifying black women. So you have someone like Pam Greer who comes out there and she's like, okay, if these guys can be these action stars, I can be an action star too. Why not? Like in the big bird cage. Big bird cage. Ooh, yeah, big bird cage. that girl calls her. Yeah, that girl calls her. He's like, "Yeah, I'm gonna kill you." Then the N word. I'm says, gonna cut goes, it off. Well, that. Yeah, that's fifth Negro to you, boy, girl. <laughs> or the scene in Foxy Brown where the guy she kicked the guy out. He's like, "If you find the man, you send him in here because I do need one." <laughs> Yeah, and back then, 
what was I, I get Foxy by on coffee cause coffee she had the razor blades in her afro. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, because she got in the fight. She put the razor blades yeah. in her afro. So when the girls start grabbing her, it was just like, oh, my hands are cut off. And then Foxy Brown, she actually just pulls the gun out of her afro. <laughs> she pulls little Oh, out don't of her forget afro. what else she does is Foxy Brown to the bad girl. She's the evil woman. She goes up to the head wilderness, and that wilderness goes, where's my man? And he, she pulls out a pickle <laughs> jar, and he goes, boom, there's your man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. coffee, she has one of, the, one of the greatest scenes in all of coffee where she just takes a sawed-off shotgun and puts it in the guy's mouth and says, you're a, dope, you're a low-down, dirty pimp, and I'm going to kill you. She just blows his head off, and his entire yeah. head explodes. <laughs> you're like, yeah. this girl is just badass, man. This girl. Yeah. See, here's the thing I like, and here's what a lot of the other action films, including action films with the female protagonists, don't always get, is that Pam Greer turns the tables in her movies. She'll start out pretending to be some dumb, attractive black girl with big breasts, and she'll, you know, take off her top and she'll get objected as soon as your guard is down and as soon as you're hard or whatever, that's when she pulls the shotgun out. Yeah, like that one uh, scene where uh, uh, she pulls that gun on that guy. He's like, she's like, you're going to make me crawl? You're going to make me beg? You're going to make me crawl on my knees? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and all he did. He did. What else did she do? She was in the Blackula sequel. She was in. Yeah, um, Big Bird Cage. Oh, Truck. She was in Truck Turner. What was she? She was in Big Bird Cage. She was in Foxy Brown. She yeah, was in. Friday Foster. Uh, Friday Foster. Friday Foster. Uh, yeah, Women in Cages. You see, I don't know That's if I, I see she... Big birthday is on the island. Yeah, Women in Cage is the one where she <laughs> plays the bad guy in it. Okay, I don't think I saw it. it. Yeah. Now, is Women in Cages like she's in a prison, it's a prison flick? Yeah, she's like the warden. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, okay, okay. Ooh, Yeah. And that's a strange thing too. That's a strange thing too because I'll 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 be honest. Sometimes these black exploitation films do not have the best actors and best acting. That's <laughs> fine. But she was a genuine star. She was a genuine movie star. And it's a shame because her career just fluctuated so much after the seventies. And it really was because of Quentin Tarantino, I think. It really was Quentin yeah. Tarantino brought well, her back. Well, remember, uh, what's his Jackie name? Uh, Steven Seagal's first film, they're like, how are we going to make Steven Seagal a badass without trying? I know, we'll team him up with Pam Greer. <laughs> and uh, Escape from L.A. with uh, Pam Greer and uh, Kurt Russell. 
That movie is the biggest guilty pleasure. I, I, people, it, it's not as good as Escape from New York, but that movie no. is hilarious. Man. <laughs> I love the hilarious. last five minutes of that movie. As soon as I figured out what he was going to do, I was just like, yeah! They are hang gliding and attacking the thing with machine guns. Bruce Campbell shows up. Uh, and then uh, and they're surfing with Peter with, Fonda. With Peter Fonda. <laughs> yeah. Come on, man. We're moving to Florida, man. Yeah, and that ending And he shuts down the world at the end of it, folks. He shuts yeah, down the entire world. world. You know? yeah, yeah, and after 2020, I'm like, yeah, but it's just like, like, like Pliskin. Don't do it. It's not Pliskin. It's Jake. Literally, it's the other way around. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that. He t- he takes that mask <laughs> and lights it in. And he goes, welcome to the human race. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Kurt Russell. Get the hell out of here, man. Kurt Russell. Yeah. Kurt Russell. Oh, my God. Kurt Russell. Uh, oh, I, I have to do a Kurt Russell week sometime. I mean, it's just, it's just too much. Yeah. It's just too badass. <laughs> yeah, and don't uh, forget uh, the bizarre one that she did in nine uh, original gangsters. Uh, yeah, that's strange. We haven't talked about this yet, but when the black exploitation films went away in the seventies, there was about a ten year gap there, and then the people who watched them as a kid started becoming filmmakers. You had your Spike Lee's, you had your Quentin Tarantino, and you had your Hughes brothers come back, and then I want to say in about the late 80s, early 90s, New Jack City came out. Oh, <laughs> God, I love New that Jack- one. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, crackhead Chris Rock, I mean, what's with these two? Oh, but and Wesley Snipes is- in that. I mean, he's oh, one of yeah. the bad oh, guys yeah. you're rooting for, yeah. And, and you know, the irony of the whole thing is, who directed New Jack City, but... Uh, Mario yeah. is the guy who's the son of the of the guy who started uh, the whole movement um, yeah. uh, twenty years earlier. Yeah, <laughs> and Wesley has and one of my favorite lines ever in an action film: "Sit your five dollar ass down before I make change." <laughs> <laughs> I and don't forget, after New friend. Jack City, uh, Mario made Posse, which is just an underrated black western. Okay, well, getting into a whole bunch of First of all, the best line from New Jack City is, I want to shoot you so bad, my dick is hard. Dick is hard, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's my key right there, okay? So, um... Or the look on the uh, Ice-T's face when that old man shoots, the, shoots Wesley at the end. At the very end. Uh, yeah. Um, some like, people use I the term exploitation. <laughs> some people use the term neo-blaxploitation or new exploitation, new black film. New Jack, there was a yeah. Whole, there, was a whole, yeah. there was a whole New Jack part of that. New Jack's out of Brooklyn. Then you had um, Boys in the Hood come we out. We had New you Jack had so everything. We had New Jack music, uh, New Jack exploitation, yeah. New Jack rap. <laughs> 
Yeah, hip hop was getting popular, so they kind of went back there. But getting back to the black exploitation thing, um, when Pam Greer came out, uh, it was quickly followed by Cleopatra Jones. Oh, <laughs> uh, the interesting thing about Cleopatra Jones is I think that that was the first attempt to make a black female James Bond movie. Cleopatra uh, Jones is basically... With someone who didn't fight for shit. And that's what <laughs> every man and the director said, that she could not fight for shit. <laughs> she didn't have to fight. She had a machine gun. Like that one scene where you're supposed to kick that guy in the head and it's one of the lousiest kicks you've ever seen ever. Okay. Okay. Kelly went to the dike. So you had had that... but then um, people, some people think that the black exploitation film was just, you know, pimps and hustlers and crime. There was that stuff, but there was also black exploitation sci-fi, and there was black exploitation horror. There was horror movies that came out of this thing. There was Black Hero is probably the most famous. Because of the was, I mean, William Marshall just tore that shit up. Uh, there was black. Uh, there was scream. Black. Black. Black and scream. Blackula's scream. Blackenstein. There was Blackenstein. There was. I did not like Blackenstein at all. That was so dumb. There was Blackenstein. Oh, there was apparently. Uh, yeah. Apparently there was a um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. No, Doctor Black. And Mr. Black, Hyde. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that Bernie was, Casey, who turns Casey? into an but, evil yeah, white Casey. person. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the greatest trailers ever. Don't give him no sass or he'll kick your ass. <laughs> Bernie Casey, man. I, Bernie yeah. Casey is my spirit animal. <laughs> Love. <laughs> Have you... Have you ever seen um, the sci-fi movie, The Martian Chronicles? It was a major yeah, TV movie. Yeah, love that one. Love okay. that one. Maybe Bernie Casey plays the only black astronaut there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, goes crazy. Uh, it's, uh, uh, yeah, he is a man that fell to Earth. I love Bernie Casey. But uh, I'm trying to think of another one. There was Abby. Abby, I think, was... A black version of The Exorcist. Yeah, that <laughs> Just, Warner uh, Brothers sued and got pulled from the theaters. <laughs> and the one oh, got God, God. Abby, what do you think of my powers now, priest? Oh, uh, the one I like best is Sugar Hill. Uh, oh God, Sugar yeah, Hill, Don Pedro uh, Coldy forever. Oh God, God, he's so good. It's uh, for those people listening. This is a mobster film. She's her boyfriend's killed by the mob, so um, the character Sugar Hill goes back to black roots, 
as a voodoo priestess, and she no, she goes to see a voodoo priestess, and the voodoo priestess gives her an army of dead slaves. I want to say, yeah, Mama Mawalde, Mama Mawalde, and she, and usually in a zombie film, the zombies are the bad guys, right? <laughs> and you're trying to kill off the zombies. Yeah. But in this film, the zombies are actually her muscle. The zombies are yeah. her army. And they're <laughs> so, all slaves that were killed on the slave ship. Yeah, it's it's an army of the undead slaves. And yeah. just as someone who watches a lot of zombie films, if you watch one of zombie films, usually the zombies look like skeletons or they're gory. But here, actually thinking that they're well-made monsters because in this movie, they emphasize their eyes. And their eyes are kind of silvery. And uh, they're kind of covered with spider webs. So I think that they're cool-looking uh, zombies. So my review, I called it uh, Foxy Brown meets Night of the Living Dead. It's, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, and, and of course, my one. hero, Baron Sander. Oh, that would be so. You see, I'm not a big fan of remaking classic movies, but the consciousness in America, I think, has shifted. I wouldn't mind seeing someone make Sugar Hill. Seeing someone kind of like, uh, almost like a Candyman kind of thing, where Sugar Hill is going, instead of of going after the mob, it would be cool if she went after some (laughs) cops. And it's like, uh, you know, uh, 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 when they uh, remade the Candyman, I can yeah. just see the filmmakers with all the fans going, "This ain't Candyman, Tony Todd ain't it, Tony Todd ain't it," and I can see the filmmakers <laughs> in the back there going, "Just wait, you see the indie suckers." <laughs> <laughs> he is in it. He is in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was actually surprised at how much I liked the remake of Candyman because they actually tied it into the original in an interesting way. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, having him be the baby. Oh, sorry. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, yeah. Having uh, him uh, be one of the people from the original, I think, is a is an interesting way to keep it in the mythology of the story. But yeah. um yeah. Black horror film is a whole different thing uh now. But even with well, that, there were a few Go ahead. Don't forget my favorite from the nineties, which I noticed you didn't talk a review, and that would be Tales from the Hood. <laughs> well, actually, Steve, I've been doing Facebook reviews for about okay. twelve years now. Yeah. So I don't know how I don't know how recently you started following me, but the yeah. the the I did a week about black horror films. Okay. Five years ago, and that was one of the films. I, Tales from the Hood is good. Have you seen Bone? Oh God, yeah. Uh, Lucio Fuki uh, meets uh, JD's Revenge. Hell yeah. JD's Revenge. Okay, my favorite black. Uh-huh. Are you ready? Are you what? Ready? What? My favorite black horror film ever is Wes Craven's The People Under the Stairs. Oh, God, yeah. That's good. <laughs> That's a good, good movie. It no, talks a lot about of you class, hearing, it talks about, yeah. 
Though a lot of you Tarantino generation are going to be shocked seeing Bing Rains get to, get get his ass torn up and killed within the first ten minutes yeah, of the movie. It's it's strange when you go back and look at these older films because you're like, man, he doesn't last very long. Mr. Marcellus Wallace doesn't last very long yeah. in this movie. It's just like, yeah. I will say that um, I feel that way about any time you go back and watch a Sam Jackson film before Pulp Fiction, you're always yeah. like, oh, Sam Jackson, why is he being, why is he, why is he acting in that way? Why is he not, you know, Sam Jackson-y? Like, have you ever seen Coming to America? Yeah, or Goodfellas. And, and, yeah, and good and coming to America, he's just the guy who tries to rob the McDowell's. <laughs> and then yeah. uh, Goodfellas, he's, he's just the guy who gets drunk and then Joe Pesci walks in and shoots him. You're like, what? 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 Yeah, but um, you lay into your freaking funeral balloon. <laughs> Poor stacks, yeah. Um, but uh, Sam Jackson has said that he will always work with Quentin Tarantino. Because when Quentin Tarantino writes for Sam Jackson, he is the smartest guy in the room. That he always writes an interesting character for Sam Jackson. Some people yeah. just ask Sam Jackson to come and be Sam Jackson. <laughs> and, uh, he, he always writes an interesting role for him. But, what uh, amuses me yeah. is most people don't realize that Samuel Jackson's character is the bad guy in Django Unchained, not Leonardo DiCaprio. Not Leonardo DiCaprio, not DiCaprio. It was marketed that way, but uh, I thought about it almost like this. The first half of Django is the friendship between Dr. Scholes and Django. That when they go to Candyland, to get wife, it's almost like they're confronting a, a, a twisted new version of their own relationship. And Dr. Soul's enemy is DiCaprio, and Django's enemy is Sam Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I do love why, that at the end of that, where he starts, where he, he, <laughs> he starts at doing, oh, Doing that country stuff, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, yeah, I know, and I count six, yeah, and, and then all of a sudden he just drops everything. Yeah, I count six <laughs> shots, you know. <laughs> I do Jango, love that he drops you the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh. Anyway, I think it's uh, funny that it always struck me that year that they like, oh, Django Unchanged Racist. So the movie about the black guy getting saved by, uh, uh, what's his name from Fight Club? Uh, dang it, the white. Uh, dang it. Brad Pitt. Yeah, Brad, the movie with Brad Pitt saving the pole black slave is not racist. I'm like, come on, people. Yeah. Uh, 
I think that uh, we're not entirely comfortable talking about that stuff. So if you make a movie about that, it's going to be people who are going to be I think that um, you were talking about posse and black westerns. There were yeah. some black exploitation westerns coming out. There was Boss Inward. I won't repeat the word. There was oh, Boss Inward. Yeah. And, boss, uh, boss. That's what it's called huh? on the DVD, so you can just call it's it Boss. Me, yeah, it's just called Boss now. It's just called Boss. <laughs> but you go yeah. back and look at the clearly what it's called. Yeah. So there was and there was the legend of Inward Charlie. There yeah, was that legend film, of so. Negro. I'll call it by the TV title. There is the legend of Negro yeah. Charlie and the soul of Negro Charlie. Even back then, Charlie, we, yeah. they, we were all like, what the f- was he thinking? That cr- you know? <laughs> but there was that. And there was Blazing Saddles, and there was uh, Timmy Porcher did game. one. Uh, uh, there uh, was Buck and the Preacher. Preacher. You know, the, yeah, Buck and the yeah, Preacher. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Skin Game with Louis Gossett Jr. and. Uh huh. Yeah. I can't read that. I think that's it James for Gardner. a long time, actually. I think that was it for a long time, actually. I can't remember yeah. another black western that came out in the film. Well, it's like I in the 80s, Alfie the only really black film or black horror film to come out in the 80s was uh, Black Devil Doll from Hell and Tales from the Quad Dead Zone. I'm not saying they're good movies. I'm just saying that. 80s that. black horror. Hold on, hold on, hold yeah. on. 80s black horror. Hold on. Oh. I'm- Ooh, uh, yeah, hold on. Uh, um, hmm. I think you might be right. I, yeah. Well, yeah, I guess so. Well, the thing no, is this. Well, the thing is this. When you're starving and that's all you have to eat, even if it's just cheap hamburger, it's going to seem like steak to you. <laughs> We've only recently. And I kind of I attribute this to Jordan Peele and Get Out. We've only recently started to get uh, a second wave of uh, black horror films. Not even but just black genre movies um, that deal with black horror films. It's only recently it's going to get that for no other reason. Forget the politics of this. For no other reason, Get Out made a lot of money, <laughs> and they made yeah money. that. That's and really it. We could talk all the social political down to. Hotel, yeah. <laughs> it's like, why did they make more uh-huh. movies at the sweet sweet bag? That's because it made a but, lot of money. They made money. <laughs> money. Yeah. It's and not only that, it's that they're cheap. That these films were not that expensive and they made double, triple, quadruple their budgets. So the basic economics of this cannot be understated. It is that these filmmakers were good at making movies at a certain budget, and uh, they uh, made their profit back. I mean, look and, at New Line uh, Cinema. Yeah. <laughs> New Line and, Cinema was called The House this of Freddy. Uh, all yeah. of the best in black music for that period was on black exploitation soundtracks. 
So if they didn't make you mud their money oh, back yeah. with the movie, they would make it with the soundtrack. Soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's a component to all of this, is that these films were not that expensive. And um, people forget when they talk about horror movies and slasher films that came out in the 80s and things like that, like those were expensive to make, and they made a ton of money. Based off the profits of those films, you can then make your masterpieces. You can then make your, your, your A movies, as people call them. So... The black filmmakers, the black directors really helped revive at a turning point with the whole ratings yeah. and, the, uh, and the directors that were coming out. So just the profits that they were leaking in from black exploitation really did lay the foundation for yeah. how it would become a big mega thing it is today. Or as I call it with any kind of genre – uh, fuck you money. You make your money, <laughs> yeah, you know, you money. make your fuck you yeah. money, then you go, screw you, I can make what I want, just get out my face. <laughs> um, what else? Uh, there were some black exploitation, I call them retro black, okay, there were movies yeah, like the I'm retro gonna get you films. Uh, I'm gonna get you, sucker. Uh, like we said, badass. original gangsters. Original, original gangsters, badass. I put in there. Um, uh, what was that one? Uh, Undercover brother. I put in there. Oh yeah, um, Undercover brother. Low down, dirty shame. Low down, dirty shame. Oh, let's not forget the James Bond movie that came out in the mid '70s during the height of all this. Oh, let die. You absolutely—they saw what was going on, and they're like, "Oh, these are the popular films now. Okay, we'll make a James Bond black exploitation." That was Roger Moore's first movie, yeah. and it was Live and Let Die. <laughs> so, Live and Let Die oh, is absolutely uh, black exploitation. Don't forget this one. I'm here to tell you guys that I'm taking out all of the drugs in the community. But Black Dynamite, I sell drugs in the community. <laughs> but, yeah, I like your um, view on it, and it does play like that, like uh, the director's a compile incompetent idiot, and there's more screw-ups <laughs> in the movie comes along, and you see, like, Jai White is Black Dynamite get more and more pissed. Uh, yeah. Like I mean, that one guy once goes, you, once I read the stage direction. A whole bunch of those films, you realize uh, how good uh, something like Black Dynamite is. You're like, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, this really, it's probably the best of those retro black exploitation movies. And yeah. uh, you, you're like, oh, it's they're all making the movie. In the middle of making the movie, it's kind of like. It's kind of like at the end of Monty Python, you realize it's kind of a movie going on around them. <laughs> uh, uh, so it's, uh, yeah, there were those retro, retro black exploitation movies. And also you can count even the stuff that came out in the 90s, like uh, with Tarantino and Pulp Fiction, 
that's movies are very much aware of the black exploitation. Um, well, yeah, uh, uh, the two ones that movie. changed the ninety were Boys in the Hood and uh, New Jack City. After those two hit big, you, that's when you really got the second wave, as I call it. The first wave being the seventies oh, films, and the, yeah, the the nineties were like the yeah. second wave. Yeah, maybe we'll get a third wave. Maybe, maybe. Hopefully. Uh, yeah, maybe we're in a third wave right now. And you're forgetting my favorite <laughs> who uh, got a big budget Netflix uh, guy who got a big budget Netflix movie based on his career has a brand new autobiography book that's out right now, which you should buy it because it's pretty close to sold out. Who would think that Rudy Ray Moore and Dolomite would get a big, Williamson, who really did his own thing. 
po' boy pictures. Yeah. That's true. Uh, it's it's strange about Fred Williams because didn't he come from football? Yeah, Fred the Hammer Williamson and uh, yeah. what was his name? Who was in Hammer? Not Hammer. Uh, the other one. Chuck Turner. No, not Chuck Turner. That was uh, uh, that was uh, the guy from Shaft. Uh, oh, forgive me, people. I just forgot. My brain slipped. Uh, but yeah, there was like two of them that can't. Well, there was that that came from there. The guy, not in Hammer. That was Fred the Hammer Williamson. Uh, the guy from Parker. Okay. And of course, there was the Black Six. Yeah. And of course, the amazing true headed transplant with Rosie Greer. <laughs> You're like, oh, God, why'd you bring that up, man? No. Oh, the thing with two heads. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Uh, uh, just one of like, oh, man. Even those of us who like oh, bad movies look at that and go, oh, God. Well, we didn't even talk about people like, you know, uh, Kelly and uh, the oh, Black Oh, Jim the Dragon Kelly. I love Black Jeff Ellen. I'm sorry, but there's one line in that movie I want in a DC film before I die. One line. And you pretty much can guess what, what it is, right? Who the hell what hit line me? Is that? Who the hell hit me? Batman, motherfucker. I, <laughs> I just want to hear that in a Batman film just yeah, once. What? What was that other thing? Not Black Belt Jones. Three the Hard Way. Oh, yeah. Three the Hard Way. Yeah. Uh, He was in Three the Hard Way, uh, Take a Hard Ride. I've got the Warner Brothers set with some of his stuff, like uh, Hot Potato, a.k.a. Black Belt Jones. Uh, yeah, there was a whole bunch of black martial. I'm gonna call them martial arts films. This was the white only martial arts film, and Rudy Ray Moore had a lot of martial arts in his films. But yeah, I, don't know, I mean, you could argue that Last Dragon is a martial arts. I'm not sure. You know why we all love the Black (laughs) Last Dragon, and it ain't for Bruce Leroy. (laughs) And if you know who it is, you can repeat that to me. Who's the baddest man in town? Show enough. No. You are the last I think that was uh, the last film that Barry Gordy and uh, Barry Gordy made. 
but that was post uh, Motown films where he did The Wiz, uh, Lady Sings the Blues, Mahogany, and Bingo Long. Oh, uh, yeah. He had a nice little career there, didn't he? Well, that's what mm-hmm. he did. He's like, I got uh, Motown, uh, the record company, so let's just make some movies. And actually, they weren't that bad. <laughs> yeah, his big star yeah. was uh, Billy D. Williams and, of course, Diana Ross. <laughs> no, he was sleeping with Diana Ross. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we got 12 minutes, and we didn't get a chance to talk about teaching movies. I might have to have you back again sometime so we can talk about those. There's enough films in that to fill up a genre. A genre. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, it's yeah. sad. Uh, by the time that he won an Oscar for Lilies of the Field, uh, Sidney Poitier was an angry, angry man. Why do you say he was angry? <clears throat> well, he said that he got tired of people saying he's not black enough. And saying that he was too white. That's too bad. Yeah, because he was. Oh, and don't forget the films he directed in the 70s that are great. Uh, Uptown Saturday Night with He We Shall Not Mention with uh, uh, Bill Cosby. And, of course, uh, Let's Do It Again. Let's Have you ever seen? Again. Yeah. Do you know what rapper was a big fan of? Uh, Let's do it again. Who? I'm just going to quote a line from uh, Sidney Poitier in that movie. Who the hell are you? I'm Biggest Smalls from New York City. Oh, uh, yeah, of course I'm an idiot. <laughs> Biggest Smalls. Hands up in that. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know why I, didn't, I never put that together. <laughs> oh, make a smile. Well, thank you for being on tonight. And if you are friends of him or want to, look at his reviews on uh, Facebook because he's good. Thank you. Uh, if you uh, subscribe, I'll, uh, or if you friend me, I'll give you two film reviews a day, every day, for the rest of my life. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I'll be on here whenever I get a guest or I'm not feeling sick. That's what you get for having illnesses. But thank you guys for listening again, and we'll be back uh, soon, hopefully, with that. And I enjoyed this. I'm you are a great guest. Thank you so much, Steve. It was nice to uh, talk to you in person. Of course, I always enjoy talking about this stuff. And uh, yeah, maybe we'll do a show. about 90s black exploitation. Who knows? Maybe yeah, we'll or 80s. 
Uh, yeah, 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 there are so many. There are just so many. Yeah, I know, and list. it's not something that anyone really has touched as a genre. You, you, that, that, I kept looking for like, okay, who has some articles out there? There are so few, and the ones that people write are usually about, you know, Dead Poet Society and Mr. Holland's Opus and shit like that. Yeah. Which is fine, but I didn't want to do inspirational teacher movies. I wanted to do dark, dark teacher movies. So, oh, you don't give us darker <laughs> than one eight seven. That's the one with uh, Samuel Jackson, where it yeah, ends Jackson. with him as a yeah. student committing playing Russian roulette with each other. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're just like, it's oh like, god, this sounds so depressing. Okay, yeah. I'll uh, I'll talk I'll talk to you later, man. Okay, talk to you later, and good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, sweetheart, where it's time to go. Good night, sweetheart, where it's time to go. I hate to leave you, but I really must say, oh, good night, sweetheart, good night. Good night, sweetheart.